Amen. Well, good morning again, and again, welcome to Liberty Church, and uh, I'm just going to tell you, I am fired up about the app, by the way, if you guys don't know that. I'm a techie kind of guy, and uh, so I'm super excited, so if you've got your phone, I will give you special permission right now while you're sitting here listening to me preach. You can go ahead and go to your app store, Liberty Church US, join us at Liberty Church, Liberty Church US, uh, Apple, Google, we also have a Roku app, we have Apple TV, you can watch it on your TV. All of our sermons, all of our upcoming events, registration for upcoming events. Uh, so many exciting things are going to be available there. There's also an uh, opportunity for you to submit prayer requests through the app so we can pray for one another. Uh, you can share prayers. You can share scriptures. Uh, there's going to be a lot of exciting things happening through the app. It's going to be a one-stop shop, everything Liberty. And how many you know Liberty is all about Jesus, so everything Jesus that you want to get, you're going to be able to connect there. So there's a lot of great resources. The Sunday morning message apps where you can fill in the blanks. You can email yourself an outline of everything that we talk about here on Sunday morning. So it's Liberty Church US, uh, and it is our little Liberty Church logo app. And so a lot of great stuff happening. Going to continue to be upgrading uh, and building that app. And let me just give a special thank you to uh, Pastor Nick Belpaso, who is our online campus pastor, him and Ashley. And uh, they have been working a, a lot of overtime pushing to make that thing happen. And so Nick and Ashley have done a great job. We love you guys. Thank you all for making that happen. And uh, just a little shout out to our online team. we got a whole group of people that work every Sunday behind the scenes, uh, literally to make this available to so many people around the world. And uh, people from other countries are tuning in and being a part of what God is doing right here in Arab, Alabama. And so thank you guys for serving and uh, for working behind the scenes and making the gospel available around the world. So Liberty Church U.S. I hope you get it. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you have some input and ideas on how we can continue to make it better, we'd love to hear from you. So you can shoot that information to us via email and, uh, and let us know what you think. Anyway, great things are happening. Well, this morning I'm excited because we're going to continue our series entitled Upside Down and Backwards. And we're going to jump right into Isaiah chapter 55. The Bible says this in verse 6, Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for He will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of established a couple of things. We said the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards because God's kingdom operates from a spiritual system that is in opposition to this world's system. We said that God literally invites us, right? He invites us to live life at a higher level. The word repent means literally it can be interpreted in English to repent, to re turn to the high place and God is literally calling us higher and as we repent as we change the way we think we literally line ourselves up with the Holy Spirit and the work that God is wanting to do in our lives and so I don't know about you I'm excited by the idea that God has invited us in amen he's invited us to live life at a higher level and we've talked about over the last couple weeks that if you've been born again any born again people in the house of God today come on 
If you've been born again, then you have been adopted into the family of God. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of light. You have been endued with power from on high. You have the mind of Christ. You have the Spirit of God so that you can know the things that God has freely given to us. You don't have to wait until you die and go to heaven to bring heaven to earth. Can I get an amen from somebody today? God's kingdom has come and His will is being done in us and through us today as we align ourselves with this upside down and backwards kingdom. We said the challenge that we face is really simple. We have been programmed by the world. We have been programmed by the world literally since birth. We have been inundated with information and ideas and philosophies and ideologies from this world system that is in opposition to the will and the purpose and the mind of God. And the challenge that we face is that the kingdom of God is many times so upside down and backwards to the way that we have been trained that we push back sometimes when we should pull near. Amen? And so the challenge is we've got to continually renew our minds. We've got to continually Stay in the Word. We've got to continually stay connected to like-minded people who are pursuing and chasing after the heart of God. Amen? So that we can continue to be introduced to God's way of life and God's way of thinking. Isn't it amazing how that one word from God can literally change the trajectory of your life? I look back over mine and Kelly's life. We've been married for 30 years. This will be our 31-year anniversary, July the 28th, right? 31 years, July 28th. And, and I look back over those 31 years of marriage, and I recognize something. I recognize that the thing that has changed the trajectory of our life has always been connected to the Word of God. God's Word brings revelation knowledge that changes the trajectory of our life so that we begin to line up with what He has for our lives. And it hasn't been a smooth ride, and it hasn't been without bumps and bruises and challenges along the way. But I can definitely say this, that every good turn that we've ever made. Anybody ever made a bad turn in your life? Come on, somebody. I've made a few bad turns along the way. Every good turn that I've ever made in my life has been directly connected to a revelation that came from the Word of God or from the Spirit of God because I was rightly connected to God's Word and God's people. Amen? And so I want to encourage you in the power of that connectivity. I want to encourage you in the significance of staying connected relationally with other believers and staying in the Word of God because God speaks. Amen? How many know God's still speaking today? And He wants to speak loud and clear to me and you. Last week, we kind of began to unpackage Hebrews chapter 11, and we worked through four verses because we recognized something. Look at that next point. We recognize the kingdom of God's upside down and backwards because God's kingdom operates by faith, not by sight. God's kingdom operates by faith, not by sight. And we began to work through Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of faith, and we begin to look at what does it look like for me and you to live by faith, what does it really look like to operate in the kingdom of God where we begin to live not by what we see, but by faith, which is in alignment with what God says? And we says all of a sudden, when we begin to operate by faith and not by sight, there's a shift that happens. And our confidence and our dependence becomes, becomes rooted and grounded, not in the vision of my eyes, but in the revelation of the Holy Spirit as God speaks and I begin to hear by the Spirit and through the Word the truths 
of Scripture. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The word know there is experience the truth. You shall experience the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And it's through that revelation knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ that our hearts are liberated. And that we find freedom in Christ to live the life that he's called us to live. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at verse 5 and 6. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So by faith. Y'all say that with me. By. Say it one more time. By. By faith. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see Death. How many of you know the key to escaping death today is still faith? Come on, somebody. It's faith in Jesus, faith in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ that delivers us from the snare and the fear of death so that we can live life. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And because of Jesus, come on, somebody, because of Jesus, we no longer have to fear death. By faith, Enoch, look what it says, was taken up so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. He was an Old Testament example of a New Testament rapture. He was caught up to be with the Lord. But look what the Bible says. It says, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We talked last Sunday how that by faith we obtain a good testimony. Think about Enoch's testimony. Here was the testimony. When people talked about Enoch, you know what they said? Man, Enoch is a man that pleases God. Man, that's a good testimony. I'd like for people to be able to say that. Wouldn't you love that etched on your tombstone? He pleased God. That's pretty good. I'm going to hold on to that. I like that. I better live up to it before I hold on to it, haven't I? Amen. He pleased God. Look at verse 6. We know verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, speaking of God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So by faith, Enoch pleased God. How did he please God? Look at Genesis 5, 24. It says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Look at that next point on your outline. By faith, by faith, we please God because faith walks with God. Because faith walks with God. Faith believes, hear this, that God is good even when life is not. The Bible says Enoch pleased God because Enoch walked with God. Faith walks with God. Listen to me. Faith walks with God on the good days and the bad days. As a matter of fact, faith refuses to abandon a God who is always good in the midst of a life that many times is not so good. Faith walks with God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, by faith we come to God because we believe that he is. Let me tell you, I believe one of the greatest keys to living in faith, and that is that you have to believe that God is good. You have to believe that God is good even when life isn't. See, because the reality is simply this. The world and the devil uses circumstantial evidence. Circumstantial evidence is anything that I can see, anything that I can taste, anything I can touch, anything that I hear, and anything that I can feel in the flesh. And all of a sudden, the world gives this argument. When your life is bad, God's not good. When bad things happen to good people, then God must not care. 
That's what the world says. That's what your eyes say. That's what circumstantial evidence pushes down our throat. Let's be honest. Just read your social media posts. Just listen to your friends and your family. Just listen to many Christians when they begin to talk in the midst of the hardships and trials and tragedies of life. How many times have we seen people that once praised God on the mountain, curse God in the valley? Because God, where are you? See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because without faith, you'll buy the lie of circumstantial evidence. You'll judge God as unloving, as unkind, and as not good based on the circumstances of your life. You'll judge God's character based on the character and integrity of other people. You will falsely accuse God of being unloving and uncaring and unkind because if God was good, why is all this evil in the world? If God was good, why am I literally walking down the road in sorrow and grief and strife and pain? Why has everything that could have went wrong went wrong in my life? If God is good, without faith, instead of coming to God, you'll walk away from Him. And we've seen people abandon Christ. We all know people who at one time in their life, they loved God and praised God and worshiped God, and then something happened. Have you ever noticed that it's usually not the really good things that drive us away from God? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever read of a strong Christian that got a miracle and then abandoned the church. But it's in the hard times. Let me just say it like this. There is probably nothing that reveals the truest measure of your faith like the tragedies and hardships of life. It's in the face of grief. It's in the face of loss. It's in the face of the unexpected, unexplainable tragedies of life that we know whether we believe or whether we don't. Because faith comes to God, because faith believes that He is who He says He is. He is good even when life isn't. And here's the revelation. You will never have a consistent walk with God if you walk by circumstantial evidence. You'll never have a consistent walk with God if you walk by what you see, what you taste, what you feel, and what you experience. The world and this in your own flesh will deceive you into believing a lie about a God who's always good. And somehow we will judge him as unworthy and unkind and uncaring. But by faith, by faith I just keep coming. <laughs> on the good days I come to God and on the bad days I come to God. When I understand everything I come to God and when I don't understand anything I come to God. When I know what I should do and when I don't have a clue what I should do, I come to God. Why? Because faith believes that He is. <laughs> and He is good. And He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Don't let the world deceive you. Don't believe your eyes because God's word is true. God is good all the time, right? And all the time, amen. Faith pleases God because faith walks with God. Look at Hebrews eleven seven. 7. It says, by faith Noah... 
being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he had never seen a flood, he had never seen the rain, but he believed that what God said was true, that there was coming a day of righteous judgment on the earth, and all who had not believed would perish and die. Noah believed it. He believed in what he had not seen. He believed in a day of judgment and a day of reckoning. And because of that, the Bible says he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. But look what 2 Peter 2.5 says. 2 Peter 2.5 gives us an interesting insight into Noah's life. Because the Bible says, And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and seven others in his family. And Noah warned the world. King James says he was a preacher of righteousness. He warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Look at that next point. By faith we prepare. By faith we prepare for what is to come. Like Noah, we prepare for a coming judgment. We prepare for a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. By faith we prepare for a day of reckoning when all men will stand before God and give an account for their life. We prepare our hearts. We prepare our lives. We prepare our families. And we even prepare a world that is lost and dying without God to one day stand before Him and meet Him and be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because there is hope in Christ alone. And by faith we prepare. By faith, Noah prepared for what was to come. Faith moves us with godly fear for the saving of souls. Faith refuses, listen to this, faith refuses to remain silent and act like everything's going to be okay. And the Holy Spirit checked my heart. He said, Keith, he said, when you look across the nation, it seems like the average American Christian doesn't care. Doesn't care about a world that's dying and going to hell. Doesn't care about the people they work with that don't know God. Doesn't care about people that, whose faces are scattered all across the news who are, who, are, who are celebrating their immorality and celebrating their perversion and celebrating corruption and celebrating all these things that God condemns. And we know that God condemns. And yet it seems like there is a silence in the church. And the Holy Spirit said, he said, Keith, he said, we don't care. You don't care because you don't believe. Because if you really believe that every person you know is going to one day stand before God and give an account for their life, you would warn them. If you really believe that, if you really believe that every person you walk by in Walmart, every person in your family, every person on your job is going to one day stand before God and give an account for their life, and there is going to be a day of judgment, and there's going to be eternal life, and there's going to be eternal death. People are going to be welcomed into the glory of heaven, and people are going to be damned to the lake of fire forever and ever, where they will be separated from God. If we really believed it, we would be like Noah and become a preacher of righteousness. We would warn the wicked. We would care enough to build a boat. 
The Holy Spirit asked for this. He said, Keith, he said, I want you to ask the church, are you building a boat or are you just cursing the darkness? Are you building a boat or are you just cursing the darkness? I heard Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands make this statement. I've shared it before. I want to say it again today. He made this statement. He said, if God were to answer every prayer that you prayed this week, think about it. If God were to right now answer every prayer you prayed this week, would anybody get saved? Would anybody outside your family even be impacted if God answered every prayer you prayed this week? Think about that. But Noah prepared. By faith, he believed there was a day of coming judgment. And for 75 years, as I was doing my history, a minimal of 75 years, he labored on a boat. And he warned the world as a preacher of righteousness. And I think sometimes we read the story and we think, well, all Noah was concerned was about saving his family. And yes, I'm sure Noah was 100% concerned about saving his family. But the Bible did not say that he warned his family. It says he warned the world. It wasn't enough that me and my own get saved. It wasn't enough that my family is a wonderful family and we're really happy and we love Jesus and we're all going to heaven to hell with the world. By faith, he prepared for what was to come. By faith, he warned the wicked. By faith, he got outside of his comfort zone. And I don't, I don't think this means I've got to have a sign and stand in the middle of the highway that says the end is coming, turn or burn. If God tells you to do it, I'll applaud you. Go ahead, do it. And I don't think we have to chase every person down in Walmart and, and tell them to believe in Jesus. And I don't think we have to beat people over the head with the Bible. But I do think, I do think that if we believe in a day of coming judgment, if we believe like Noah believed that there was a day when all men was going to give an account to God, that we would warn the people in our field of influence. That we would not be silent but that we would be moved with compassion, that we would intercede for those that don't know him. See, I found out that people are very quick to shut down my preaching, but they can't shut down my prayers. I mean, I've witnessed to people, and now they don't even want me, and they're like, mm, I... and I'm good with that because they know I've warned them. And they can shut down my preaching, but they can never shut down our prayers. And Kelly and I, we, we adopted this little saying a couple years ago. We can outpray stupid. <laughs> Come on, don't you know it? Some of the people you love, they just, they just need some help. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Making poor, foolish decisions. We can outpray stupid. And if they don't want to listen to our preaching, that's okay. I need to warn them. And when, the moment they don't want to hear the warning, that's okay. Because I'm still going to pray for them. You know why? Because I believe. I believe that every person is going to stand before God and give an account for their life. I believe that we're going to be accountable for the individuals in our field of influence that we were supposed to reach out to that we didn't reach out to. We can't reach them unless they want to respond. But we can reach out to them. 
in love and compassion. By faith we do that. By faith we build boats of salvation. By faith we create places. You want to know why the church is so important? You want to know why it's so important that we gather? You want to know why it's so important that we give? You don't know why our tithes and offerings matter? Because think about this world we live in, guys. Think about it for just a minute. There are a lot of amazing organizations doing a lot of good. But nobody's preaching the gospel but the church. And I'm so thankful for all the amazing organizations that are doing good. But there's only one organization preaching the gospel, and that's the church. You want to know why your presence, you want to know why your gifts, you want to know why your service, you want to know why your engagement matters, because nobody else is doing what we're doing. And you guys have heard me say this many times. If you get healed of cancer and die and go to hell, what does it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. There is nothing greater that we can do than to be catalysts of the gospel. And by faith prepare a place for people to meet God. What we do, guys, matters. Amen? What you do every day of your life as a believer matters. And by faith, Noah prepared an ark for the saving of souls. Look at that next verse. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he obeyed. Look at that next point. By faith we obey. By faith we obey. By faith we go. Right? Faith goes where God leads us even when we don't know where we are going. Brother Curtis said so eloquently years ago, he said, I believe one of the reasons God doesn't show us the big picture is because if he did, we'd probably run from it. <laughs> See, by faith we obey. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you'll live in the comfort zone of information, and you'll never step out into the uncomfortable zone called revelation. See, by faith, you'll just, you'll just settle in a place and you'll never go where God wants you to go. You'll never do what God wants you to do. You'll never say what God wants you to say because if you're waiting to see it, you'll probably never do it. But by faith we go. Abraham did not know. He went to a country that he did not know where he was going. But he stepped out in faith. And the Lord reminded me of something. He said, Keith, he said just remind the people that I am not a travel agent. God said, I never sell you a ticket to a place I've never been before. I am a tour guide. I take you where I've already been. And we don't have to know the big picture to step out in faith because we know the one that's leading us into the future and the hope that we have in Christ. And I don't have to know every step just as long as I know the shepherd that's calling me unto himself. And then the Holy Spirit said to me this week, he said, Keith, he said, every time you hear the word come, I mean, every time you hear the word go, he said, in reality, it's the word come. He said, because I'm never sending you somewhere that I myself have not already been, and I'm inviting you to join me. See, the word go is really come. 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And God's saying, come and join me because I'm in all the world trying to draw men to repentance. So by faith, we obey. By faith, we step out into that unknown, uncomfortable realm outside of what we know into what God says. And amazing things begin to happen. Look at that next verse, Hebrews 11, verse 9 and 10. By faith, he, speaking of Abraham, dwelt in the land of promise. I'm going to flip the coin on you real quick. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, with heirs, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, he dwelt in the land. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went where God was calling him. But by faith, he dwelt in the land. Look at that next point. By faith, we dwell in the land. Faith stays where God has placed us even when we know there is more to come. Now this almost sounds contradictory because faith compels us to go where we've never gone. But when we get where God wants us to go, faith also gives us the grace to stay in the place God has ordained us to be. The Lord spoke to my heart this week. He said, Keith, he said, the reason so many Christians never grow to maturity is because they're always being uprooted and replanted and uprooted and replanted and uprooted and replanted. They have a dream and a vision. They chase it for six months. And then they get a new dream and a vision. They chase it for six months. And then they get a new dream and a vision. They chase it for six months. And then they get a new dream and a vision. They might stay there for three years. And they're constantly chasing something that is uprooting and replanting and uprooting and replanting and uprooting and replanting. And I'm not saying God doesn't move you. We just, read, we just read God moved Abraham to a place he didn't know where he was going. But I am saying that once God moves you, God also plants you. And when you think about the fact, think about David for just a minute. David was anointed king, but he stayed in the field watching sheep. When he went to Goliath, do you remember what his brother said? Where are those few sheep? Who did you leave those sheep with that you were watching? David had already been anointed to be king, but yet he stayed in the place of a shepherd until God promoted him to the place that he ordained for him to be. Let me tell you what I want to just call the battle of faith. Here's the battle of faith. When what God says and what you see doesn't line up. And you know that God has more than what you see. But what you see and what God has said don't line up. Here's the battle of faith. The battle of faith is don't run ahead of God. The battle of faith is if, if, I, if what I'm seeing and what God is saying is not lining up, I've got to, number one, by faith obey. But if God's planted me, I've got to stay in the place he's put me until he accomplishes the thing he wants to accomplish. And I've got to refuse to help God. Do y'all remember Abraham and Sarah, right? That's who we're talking about here. God made a promise. They didn't see the promise. They got frustrated waiting on the promise. They got discouraged because the promise of what God said was not what they were seeing in their lives. So Hagar decided, why don't we help God? And Abraham thought it, it was a great idea. And they birthed an Ishmael who begin to fight against the seed of promise and the son of promise for the rest of their days, and they're still fighting today. 
See, when you, when you refuse by faith not to dwell in the land and you decide you're going to help God. Now, let me just explain something to you. When I, say, when I say you can't help God, I'm not saying you don't have to do your part because you do. You, you have a part to play. And God won't do your part and you can't do his part. And I meet a lot of Christians that want God to do their part. They want God to be disciplined for them. And they want God to be committed for them. And they want God to be dedicated for them. But I want you to understand something. You got to be disciplined. You got to be committed. You got to be dedicated. You got to pay the price. And you got to lay down your life. That's your part. God's part is to birth a baby in a dead womb. God's part is to raise up a nation from a man that doesn't have any children. God's part is to take a shepherd boy and make him a king. And David understood that. So David is abiding in the field as a shepherd even though he's been anointed to be king. He knows God's got greater things, but what he sees and what God says is not lining up. But he's going to dwell in the place God has ordained for him. Why? Because God's got to do some things in David, through David, in a nation in order to position him where he wanted him to be. So when Goliath comes, David leaves the sheep, goes to the battlefield, and you think, man, this is his time. He's going to kill Goliath. He kills Goliath, cuts off his head, stands up, holds the head of the champion of the Philistines, and says, my God does not win with a sword and a shield, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And everybody applauds, and everybody celebrates, and you read the story, and you think, man, this is amazing. David's about to step into the place God's anointed him to, and absolutely not. Saul then becomes filled with jealousy and begins to pursue David. And David begins to run for his life. And 1 Samuel 24, if you go home and read it, you'll find out 1 Samuel 24, David has now been on the run for years and he's hiding in a cave with his merry man, man, man band of followers. And all of a sudden, King Saul comes in the cave they're hiding in. And all David's man's like, all David's men start elbowing each other. And they tell David, man, today, today the Lord has, has delivered your enemies into your hand. But David knew something. David knew he could do his part, but he couldn't do God's part. And David said, I will not touch God's anointing. I will not touch it. I'm not going to take the dream and vision that God gave me and mar it with my hand. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, I've marred the dream and vision many times with my hand. I've tried to help God. Kelly's got more than enough testimony she could tell you about me trying to help God. I like to help Him. I get in a hurry. It's never happening as fast as I thought it was going to happen. I'm just going to be honest with you. 23 years later, here we are, Liberty Church, in an amazing place. But I'm just telling you, when we open the doors of the church, what we've built in 23 years, I thought we were going to build in 23 days. I was young, dumb, and foolish, and I'm still a little bit of that. I got great expectations for what God is going to do. And where we're at, what I see is not what God said. But I got to dwell i got to dwell in the land. i got to do my part. i got to live in tents for a season until God enlarges the territory for me to step into the fullness of the promise. And that only happens by faith because without faith, you're going to run ahead. Without faith, you're going to put your hand and try to help God instead of believing God for the promise. 
I mean, let me share a little crazy story. Several years ago, I don't even know how many years ago it was, I, was, I, I, I used to lay carpet, and I had an old ugly work van, and then I got an old ugly work truck, and, and then I just kind of went from ugly truck to ugly truck for a little while. And, and I, was, I was one day driving down the road, and I drove by a car lot, and I saw these new trucks. And uh, I thought, boy, Lord, I, I'd like one of them. And, and the Lord said, believe me for it. And immediately I said, well, well Lord, I'm not in a place to go get a loan and buy one of those trucks. He said, I didn't say go get a loan and buy one of those trucks. He said, believe me for it. I said, okay. What does that mean? <laughs> he said, just believe that I want to give you a truck. Okay, that was weird to me. I'm just being honest with you. So I just started believing. I kind of had a little vision in my mind. I should have I dreamed bigger, but I didn't. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> and one day, a guy comes up to the church. He comes to my office. He says, Pastor Keith, I want to show you my new truck. I said, man, that's awesome. I go out to the parking lot. He shows me his new truck. It's a four-door truck. It's blue. It's beautiful. I mean, it's got all the little bells and whistles on it. I'm like, man, this is amazing. And then he says, it's your truck. He said, God told me to buy it for you. And then he begins to tell the testimony of how, of course, he argued with God. <laughs> I don't blame him. I would have too. And how God affirmed and confirmed and affirmed and confirmed that he wanted him to buy me a truck. And this is not a rich guy that just went to his bank account and wrote a check and bought it. This is a guy that worked overtime to earn extra money to buy a truck for somebody that wasn't going to be his. Because we don't have to help God. We just got to believe that God's going to do what he said he would do. We got to do our part, but we got to be willing to dwell in the land. Stop running ahead and start abiding in the very presence and promise of God. Now, I'm not saying God's going to give anybody a truck. Y'all hear me? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If he does, I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm ready for a new truck, aren't I, Kelly? We're talking about new trucks. All right. Praise the Lord. Look at that next verse. Hebrews 11, 11. It says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him God faithful who had promised. By faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged God faithful who had promised. Look at that next point. By faith we receive strength to conceive. Faith impregnates us with the promises of God. Faith impregnates us with the promises of God. Faith bursts birth into our hearts and our lives the dreams and vision that God has for our lives. Let me just assure you of something today. God has a dream and a vision for you. God has a dream and a vision for you. And without faith, I want you to hear me today, without faith, you will reject the dream and vision of God, and you will disqualify yourself from what God wants to do in your life. You'll disqualify yourself. 
I remember 23 years ago when the Lord birthed a vision for this church into my life. And I remember thinking about how I didn't know how to do this, God. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. I'm a little old kid from Arab, living in that time in Arab, Alabama. Lord, how are we going to do what you want us to do? And I didn't know how. I didn't have to know how. I just had to know who had called us to do it. And the how comes when by faith you believe in the who that's calling you to do the impossible. And so many times we have disqualified ourselves from the dream and vision of God because God says, I want to do this and I'm going to do this. And God shows you something in your heart. And you're like, that's amazing, God. But I'm not educated enough. But I don't have an opportunity to do that. But my job won't allow me to do that. But my family's not in position. And we give God all these unholy buts. That disqualify us from the dream and the vision that he has for us. But by faith, Sarah conceived. She received strength to conceive a child in her old age out of a, out of a dead, barren wound. She gave birth, not just to a child. You read the Bible. She gave birth to a nation. Because by faith, she believed. By faith. God births dreams and visions on the inside of us. And all of a sudden, by faith, you begin to carry something that's alive on the inside of you. And for all you mamas out there, how many of you can testify to this? <laughs> Pregnancy changes everything. How about that, Samantha? I get an amen out of you this morning. Pregnancy changes everything. Everything. You eat different, you sleep different, you walk different, you think different, you feel different. Everything is different. And when you get pregnant with the dream and vision of God, it changes you. God impregnates you with this vision. And it only happens by faith. Do you remember the Virgin Mary? Do you remember what Mary said when the angel appeared to her and said, You're going to have the Son of God? She says, How can this be? I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. And he says, The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and you're going to become pregnant with the very Son of Almighty God. And she said, Be it unto me according to your word. You know what that was? That was faith. By faith, she got pregnant. She was impregnated with the vision of God. Because she believed God. She believed the report of the Lord. And, and hear me today. M many, of us, many of us disqualify ourselves from the promise of God. But there's something I almost think may even be worse. Many of us settle for the dream and the vision of this world. I can't tell you how many gifted, anointed people I have seen, 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 settle for the dream and the vision of this world, which usually equates money. More money, more fame, more followers, more likes, more subscriptions, more. Now, I'm not saying God won't give you more of that stuff. I believe he likes to bless our socks off. And I believe God wants the church to be the most influential people on the planet. You ought to have more likes and shares than anybody else. But I also know this. I also know that there is a scheme of the enemy. One of the strategies of Satan is to get you to abort the vision of God and adopt the vision of the world and settle for a dream and a vision that just makes money, fame, and fortune but doesn't build the kingdom of God. And we've seen the trap of the enemy. And let me tell you what will happen. When you embrace the world's vision, people will applaud you.
When you embrace God's vision, there's usually not as much applause. Somebody came up to me after the last service and they said, yeah, Pastor Keith, but the people that applaud you are the people that matter. And I said, I agree. <laughs> but we live in a world system that is in opposition to the things of God and it's by faith that we are impregnated with the vision of God. His promise comes alive by faith. Let me give you one last scripture. Final point for today. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says this, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at that last point. Faith in Jesus, not faith in faith, not faith in self, not faith in this world system. Faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes this world. And by faith, we come out of the world system and we enter into the kingdom of God. By faith, we stop living by information and we start living by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you stop living by the information of what you see, touch, taste, see, uh, and feel, and you start living by the revelation of what God says by the Spirit and by the Word, all of a sudden, you become an unstoppable force that's a part of an unshakable kingdom. Because the world, listen to me, the world manipulates and controls us by what we see, touch, taste, hear, and feel. The world manipulates and controls us by those things. What we see, touch, taste, hear, and feel. Think about, come on, can I hear somebody say fake news? The world controls us. It, it incites fear. Incites rebellion. Incites riots. Incites chaos. All of a sudden, we see our world. You just look at our world, and you recognize that our world is being manipulated by the information of the flesh. And it's only when you stop living by information and you start living by the revelation of the Holy Spirit that you come out from under that kingdom. And guess what? You can't be bought. You can't be intimidated. You can't be bullied. Because you're not living by what you can see. You're living by what you say. That's why I love pastoring a church during COVID. You guys heard me say it over and over again. Our methods changed, but our mission never did. We never stopped. As a matter of fact, I was busier in 2020 than I've ever been in my life. Why? Because the mission of the church was still there. We were still doing what we'd always done. We didn't stop. We refocused. We recalibrated. We pivoted. And we changed in different directions. But we stayed the course. Why? Because we have never have nor ever will take our instructions from the world. We follow Jesus and all of a sudden you become unstoppable because when the world can't buy you and the world can't bully you and the world can't intimidate you the only thing left is to kill you and to die is gain so come on somebody let's shake the world for the glory of God let's shake the world for the glory of God let's bow our heads together today if you're watching online, I'd like for you just to bow your heads with us. 
I just want to remove every distraction for just a minute. The first thing I want to do is if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I'm a believer. I know that I know I'm a child of God and I'm in the kingdom. I want to challenge you today to ask yourself, according to Hebrews 11, are you living by faith? Are you stepping out in obedience to God? Are you walking with Him on the good days and the bad days? Are you dwelling in the land? Are you building a boat? Or are you just cursing the darkness? Are you cultivating that dream and that vision? Or have you settled for the world's dream? See, today's the day, guys. Today is the day for the church to rise up. We are called to be an unstoppable force because we're a part of an unshakable kingdom. And when you stop living by information and you embrace the revelation of the Spirit of God and the Word of God, all of a sudden, you can't be stopped. And the kingdom comes and His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to just ask you to check your heart today. I want to ask you to do a spiritual evaluation and ask yourself, am I really living by faith? Have I, have I, have I ran ahead of God? Have I gotten comfortable and settled in a place that God's calling me out of? Have I disqualified myself from the promise of God? Have I settled for the world's promise, the world's promise and vision? Am I building a boat? Am I, am I reaching my world? Because today God wants us to rise up. The Bible says that we grow in the kingdom from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So Lord, today I pray that you take us to a new level of faith. I pray today that you would take us deeper in a walk of faith, God, that we would begin to allow a spirit of faith to override everything in our life, that we would begin to live by the revelation of your spirit and your word and become unshakable, unstoppable forces in your kingdom. Lord, that's our heart's cry. So Father, I release faith today. Faith to believe that we are qualified. Faith to believe that we have all that we need to do, all that you've called us to do because you're good. The last thing I want to do is maybe you're watching here today online or maybe you're here in the sanctuary this morning and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not in the kingdom. I've never been born again. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And as you were talking about that day of judgment, I realized that if today I stood before God and had to give an account for my life, I would not be welcomed in. I would be cast out because I've never accepted Jesus. And today, I want to accept Him. If that's you right now, just raise your hand. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. But you're here today say, today, I want to be born again. Today, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Online, just hit that little hand emoji. Type in there, I'm raising my hand. This is your moment. This is your day. And let's just pray this prayer together. For those of you that have raised your hand, let's say it out loud. I want to ask everybody to join me. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins. Rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Welcome to the family. And one final announcement for those of you that are here in person. 
uh, our youth are having a bake sale today uh, in the youth room. Go down the hall, second door to the right. And uh, all the proceeds are going to help them go to youth camp this summer. If you want to invest in our kids, stop by there, get you something sweet, or just make a donation. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you're new to Liberty today, remember to grab a gift bag on the way out. And just know that we love you and glad you're here today. Amen. God bless you.